Lost in Jersey with Rachel and Jeanette, talking about life just outside New York City. Let's get started. Hey, Jeanette. Hey, Rachel. We have a great lineup today with AAPI, the Asian American Pacific Islander Organization here in Montclair. And we're going to talk with Amber and Meredith about their mission plan. They've had a great rollout and it's they've come on the radar a lot for us and we were wanting to know more about what's going on and we learned a lot in this interview. Um, we're going to learn about the Lantern Festival that's coming up, which they need volunteers for, and also initiative for Love Your Lunch that is something that seems very needed and it sounds like a great program to increase diversity for lunches at school and understand in general, why there is a need for AAPI and the work that they do. So here is our interview with AAPI. Enjoy. Hi, Meredith. Hey, Meredith. Hi, hold on, coming. Hi, how Hi. are you? I'm good. How are you? I haven't seen you in years. <laughs> I know it's been such a long time. Hello. Hi. Hi, Amber. Hi. Sorry, my audio setup is so much less fancy than yours. Oh no, it's everyone says that. It, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a prop. A, yeah, it's props. But yeah, so it's so nice. I'm so glad that you came on and you guys are, you know, here to give us some uh, background on yourselves. Yes. And then we can move on to talk about AAPI and the goals and missions and some of the wonderful events that you've been having. Amber can go first. Oh, great. Thank you. I did move here uh, six and a half years ago with my family. You'll be Mm -hmm. very surprised to hear we moved from Brooklyn. Oh, I never heard that story. (laughs) I didn't do that at all. (laughs) It's like like the Lord of the Rings. It's just this epic, unique saga that we... (laughs) Uh, So I grew up in Michigan, uh, came to New York for college. I spent a lot of time in New York as a young person, uh, moved to Tokyo with my husband, where our two kids were born. Ah. Um, and then we tried to move back to Brooklyn. And it was very different with yeah. two young children in that little Brooklyn apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we came out uh, for a weekend to Montclair and just kind of fell in love with it. You know, the pie store. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to go to the pie store and so, give them a seal so Amber, because everybody talks yeah, about the pie yeah. store <laughs> you feel like you'll be okay when you see the pie store absolutely um, <laughs> uh and uh yeah so we we settled here and uh i might have said this to meredith before but the the day we moved in my two-year-old daughter was in the backyard laughing and chasing a butterfly and that's kind of what her life has been like ever since, mostly. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's a little bit dangerous to live in Montclair, right? Because it is so easy to walk around your beautiful neighborhood and um, forget about your wider society and also ignore the problems that, that are you, in you it. do still encounter yeah. in this, what's supposed to be a beautiful, accepting, progressive haven. Um, so that's kind of like the challenge that we live with, even as we are very grateful to Montclair for giving our kids such a safe, warm environment to grow up in. Well, that's well said. Yep. Right. I mean, I think all the time about um, Thoreau's slavery in Massachusetts, which he wrote after the passage of the Fugitive Slave Act. And he's writing something like, 
you know, what good is it to me to be living in a beautiful garden if that garden is in hell, you know, <laughs> that kind of spoil your enjoyment of it. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there for now. <laughs> and with that, let's talk to Meredith. <laughs> yeah, I, we've been in Montclair about 12 years, going on 12 years. Um, and also I'm the rare Brooklyn transplant. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but we weren't in Brooklyn for very long. We had been in DC for about 10 years and um, moved to New York for a job change for my husband and landed in Brooklyn and, and sort of similarly to Amber were like had to adjust to sort of the space change yeah. <laughs> in the small apartment and um, also came out here uh, for one weekend kind of like under duress like we were like we can't move to New Jersey like <laughs> that sounds crazy and then but some friends had said, oh, you should go look at Montclair. And we did. And here we were like, oh, we could live here. And we put an offer in on the house on Monday. Like, wow. yeah. So, yeah, it was really fast. And um, it's a really, I think, special community. And um, I can't believe it's already been 12 years. Yeah. I said that I, I when I moved here, when because I, I wasn't into it, I was like, I'll give it five. I give it five years. And I, I, I remember when your five passed, I was like, wow, okay, well, let's give it five more. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's fat. It goes really, really fast. Um, so both of you um, are part of um, AAPI. How did um, you get involved with that? AAPI Montclair started in March 2021 in the aftermath of the Atlanta spa shootings in which a young white man who believed Asian women were a temptation to him um, killed eight people, six of them women of Asian heritage. And the day after that shooting was really heavy on all of our hearts. And we also felt like, or at least I felt like, I didn't have anyone to talk about it with. I didn't really know very many other Asian Americans in Montclair. Um, and no one else was like talking about it in our wider community. People were just going on with their lives and it, it felt very lonely. So we started to talk about it first <laughs> online through Facebook because it was like a bunch of moms on Facebook. Um, but then we just started thinking like what people were asking us, like, what what can we do? What, what does your community need? And we realized we didn't have the community formed that could answer that question. Um, so we, that, that was the start of it. And we came together for the first Lantern Festival at Edgemont Park, which was kind of this little miracle that we pulled off in, in two weeks. Um, and it's not just a lantern, like a pretty Lantern Festival. It's a Lantern Festival for justice and remembrance. So we were trying to use this tradition that occurs throughout Asian cultures where lanterns are a symbol of like welcome to departed spirits. To sort of open up a space for our community to reflect on all of the racialized violence that had been happening in America and sort of recommit to working toward a more just, safe, liberated future and to also educate people about what Asian Americans had been going through, not just during um, the moment of, you know, anti-Asian hate and xenophobia uh, during the pandemic. But also all of the all of the garden variety forms of racism that Asian Americans faced before that. Since then, you know, everything from microaggressions, like people tend not to remember our faces or confuse us with other people. People in Montclair have asked me if I'm the nanny when I'm out with my children who are, uh, you know, lighter skinned than me. 
Um, and, uh, you know, people sort of regard us as passive and not leaders and not creative. And it's just, it's a lot, right? <laughs> and, and if you're a woman, then you're also facing a whole nother level of sort of intersectional uh, misogyny, racism. So we, we wanted to, to get, get loud. Um, and since then, we've been working on um, making this making New Jersey a great place to grow up Asian American in basically every way we can think of. Um, and we've really become a model for a kind of grassroots Asian American advocacy organization. So, I mean, people in Montclair probably know us best for our events, our big celebrations of Lunar New Year, Diwali. Uh, and those are intentionally very inclusive and open to our wider community because we want this to be a place where people come and see Asian joy celebrated, Yes. Where kids grew up seeing days when like being Asian is the coolest, the absolute coolest thing and something yes. to be so proud of. Um, <clears throat> and we're intentionally also like very, we, we support each other, right? There's a lot of like intra-Asian solidarity that's happening mm -hmm. to make all yeah. of this possible. And it's also like it includes people like, you know, Meredith, uh, non-API parents of API children or, you know, people who have API family members, but uh, people who are multiracial. Uh, people like me, an adoptee who grew up with white parents and has never felt Asian enough in any space, let alone to to lead a group like this. Um, and that's that's been such a huge part of um, our power and, and what makes this special. So uh, in addition to the events, there's a lot that our wider community may not be seeing that we're doing to, uh, you know, work on issues like language access in New Jersey. Uh, help Asian Americans, uh, you know, engage more civically, make sure they get out to vote, they register to vote, um, that they're understanding how local and state policy making affects them. We do a ton of work in schools. Uh, we advocated for the API curriculum mandate uh, that went into effect this school year in New Jersey public schools. And we're uh, supporting implementation of that across the state. Uh, wow. So there's, you know, there's a lot sort of on, you know, Certainly you see the fun, the joy, the celebration, but behind the scenes, we're also working as hard as we can on education, advocacy, youth programs, mental health work. And I saw you can get information like that on your website. You have a, a large group of people working with you to help get these messages and advocacy out. So it's a, it's an impressive um uh, organization that you've got going on here. I was invited to go to the breaking of a fast recently, and I did not even know that it was from AAPI, but I was going with my family who is Muslim to break fast. And after I got there and when I was emailing you, because it sold out, it was a fantastic event and I was really impressed and I wanted to learn more. And that prior to that, we learned about the lunch uh, program through um, Montclair, um, the local coffee. Robert Genovese had mentioned it. Yeah, there are a lot of different legs, I think, to um, everything happening in the organization. And I think that's, you know, it's like Amber sort of said before, it's it's intentional, right? There are these really big events that are meant to bring in so many people into this one space and one umbrella. And um, and then there are all these other <clears throat> little things that we're doing mm -hmm. to to try to reach, you know, specific groups of people. And and um, like the Love Your Lunch campaign, I think it's this in incredible initiative that is gonna, it it's gonna resonate with almost everyone, I yeah, think. Absolutely. In some way, right? 
Will you um, explain that program a little bit more for our listeners? The Love Your Lunch campaign is, it includes a lot of different components. You know, what what I think people are seeing right now, first of all, is this art contest where the kids are drawing their favorite lunches. Um, and, and that's really important because food shaming in the uh, elementary school cafeterias is a is a real thing and a thing that happens on a very regular basis. Um, you know, I, it's it happens to kids here in Montclair all the time. So if it's happening here, I think mm-hmm. we can safely assume it's happening almost everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that can create a real sense of shame for like our youngest kids, and that can stay with them for a really long time. Yeah, the campaign is meant to be, I think joyful because it's about food, which is something that we all really celebrate. But it also, I think, hits on a very like poignant note. We have some educator books, some books, like what's the, how do I explain this, Amber? Oh, there's like educator boxes that we have created that have books for their K1 and 2 classrooms in Montclair and hopefully across the state. Um, And along their books that like celebrate food positivity. Mm-hmm. And then we've created some educator and parent and student guides to go along with those books um, to help kind of the conversation like happen in a, in a positive way and to give people like the words to sort of talk about it. Is there, is there for the children that, you know, might want to get involved or, you know, have support around this? Is it that their parents need to be part of the organization to get to meetings or how do they, how do you get involved and try to like, let's just say that you're a parent and you, you don't, you're not really, you know, active or anything like that, but you do send your kids to school with food that may not be the American fair. And they, and your kid is starting to give some pushback, you know, that it's getting a little uncomfortable. Do you have to have this? Do I need to, you know, can we just, you know, cause I'm assuming that's how it starts to happen. And what, what does a parent do in this? What kind of support can they find? So they can go to loveyourlunch.org.org um, and pull up our parents guide on talking to kids about food acceptance and lunch shaming. Mm-hmm. And there's like a little snippet of a sample conversation there and guides to both um, sort of like, how do you talk your kid through it? And then also what are some things you can do at home so that they're proud of what they bring? Uh, we right. work with an API mental health professional to create this, but I think the advice can apply to any family that's experiencing this issue. And, uh, you know, it's important to respect your child's wishes, of course, but there are also things you can do to sort of like nurture that pride and resilience that's going to help them when you're not there, able to be there with them. I'm wondering, is there ever been a push uh, for school lunches, uh, the ones that are made at the school to include foods um, from different cultures as well? Besides the typical American fare? Taco Tuesday? Yeah, because they usually, I mean, that's majorly. Beyond Taco Tuesday. Yeah, Beyond um, Taco Tuesday yeah, exactly. and, and pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not yet, but I'm going to write that down when we get off this soon. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that. There is something that recurs on the menu that's called called General Cho's Chicken. Um. <laughs> 
I'm not sure how much more of that we can take, but yeah, it's probably not uh, right. The most accurate representation of the dish. What are some things that you do for your kids to, you know, to feel proud and good about, you know, what they're bringing to school and how do you, what do you say to your children? My kids are both older now and now it's cool that they bring sushi in their lunch boxes, but they did both experience this when they were younger and I, I really didn't know what to say. And I, it was very hurtful because as a Korean American adoptee who can't give my kids things, things like access to our language or to much of Korean culture, like food was one thing that I could give them from our, from our heritage. Um, and also like for them, eating their seaweed and rice balls was like anyone else's peanut butter and jelly. It was just a staple. And I simply like could not stop packing it for them because I, I was like, I don't, I, I don't have much beyond this, right? <laughs> it was tough. But, you know, we would just, we would talk about not yucking someone's yum and how that friend who ran away from them when they opened their lunchbox or who was shouting out the contents of their lunch, like in a mocking way to other kids, was like at a different stage of their uh, learning development. Degree, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I wish I had had something like the guides that we made so that I could feel like I wasn't just making this stuff up and flying blind. You had right. something to look at and some sort of guidance. So this is really helpful. We're definitely going to make sure everybody knows that yeah, this we'll is to us about, the, about it. Um, additionally, I know that um, another uh, some of the other things that you talked about with um, the discrimination and the attacks during, you know, the last couple of years, the lot was happening in the city and things like that. I mean, is there guides also available for people that are dealing with that on your website or elsewhere that people can look to to try to help people you know change and and also how to talk to your kids about it i really appreciate that question and that you're thinking about including um talking to children about what asian american children are experiencing and making that part of um their sort of racial education um immigranthistory.org uh, which is the website of Immigrant History Initiative, has really good resources for parents on talking to kids about anti-Asian racism during COVID-19. Um, my, sorry to share my own children's trauma again, but my, my son was teased in his beautiful, progressive Montclair Public School about carrying coronavirus in March 2020. Um, believe me, it's happening. And I'm sure there are so many parents who would, who would just be mortified at what their kids yeah, are doing. Yeah. Schools, oh, you know? yeah. You still see the same, you know, uh, like Asian, using Asian slurs against kids, asking them if they eat dogs and bats, uh, doing the thing where they pull their eyes back to make them look slanted. And if, if you're not talking with your kids about things like that and how that's really not okay, then it's just going to keep continuing. So we've been trying to raise awareness and we do encourage parents to, to look up guides that, uh, yeah, I I do recommend those guides at Immigrant History Initiative uh, for for opening up these conversations. I think a, a small thing that people can do as well, who aren't in the AAPI community, um, is to do things like this, like give a, give a platform, for things to be discussed, come to events, you know, take a shift at an event, sign up on the sign up genius. 
those kinds of things, I think for my kids who felt for a period of time after the pandemic, relatively unsafe, kind of out in the world, seeing people that they know and seeing all different people come together at our events or just to support in some way has given them like a renewed sense of safety. And I think that mm, when people important. are looking for something to do in some way to help and, and, you know, sometimes I think living in Montclair can give you a feeling that you're, you're doing your part mm-hmm. <laughs> and really there's a lot more you can do. Um, just kind of showing up like that has a really big impact on, well, on kids and, and I think adults. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit more about the upcoming Lantern Festival and the date and all of that? Yes, it is a beautiful event. It's beautiful in so many ways. This is our third one. We had about 2,000 attendees last year in Edgemont Park. It's on Sunday evening, May 21st from 6 to 9 p.m. And, you know, it's the Lantern Festival for Justice and Remembrance. So it is really an opportunity to take a minute and uh, remember and reflect on victims of racialized violence. But at the same time, it's a it's a beautiful opportunity to have the community come together and just sort of reconnect. And we try to make it, you know, a beautiful evening and we have food trucks and crafts for the kids and we have musicians. Um, there's a, there's a program that's planned where with speakers and performers, um, Vanguard theater is coming. Uh, so they're not to be missed. You know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of great people coming. Um, and, you know, I think it is, you know, another piece of it that actually I think is really special is we invite a lot of community partners so we just invite people to come and table. And we have right now almost 30 community partners from Montclair and in nearby areas coming to just share their information, have a chance to connect, talk to each other, and just, you know, reach out. May 21st. Yep. 6 to 9 p.m. at Edgemont Park. There's a rain date in case it rains. There's a rain date June 4th. Okay, great. It is nice to have those group big events in in the town, not only visually for everybody to see what a large community it really is, but also, like you said, Meredith, for friends and and friendly faces that you know that all come and actually show up as well. You've created a great organization, so I'm I'm happy that we were able to give it a little bit of airtime on our little uh, podcast here, and hopefully, people will you know keep learning about it and keep learning and I'm and also be part Mm -hmm. of the the love your lunch do you guys want to share anything else that we we should all know um coming up or other ways that you need if you need volunteers for certain things like what what do you need we do need volunteers we need (laughs) we need support too we have a hundred teachers waiting to receive love your lunch resources right now so please okay. go to aapimontclair.org, sign up for our newsletter. Everyone is welcome to subscribe, and that way you'll you'll stay uh, stay in the loop of everything we have going on. Great, great, great. And we have two thousand lanterns to put into Edgemont Park <laughs> on uh, May twenty first. So if you would like to bring your kids or your friends and yes. sign up to be a lantern installation team, it's it's actually really oh. fun because the park goes from no lanterns to two thousand. And like that, but we only, we need a few more volunteers. So great. 
I love your podcast, by the way. It's been thank really enjoyable. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. It. It's been a lot of fun just to meet meet so many people and hear how many incredible things everyone is doing in this town. It's really inspiring. And we're just glad to be able to give it a little bit of a promotion. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, thank you for lifting up local stories. I mean, everything's oh. local, right? Life is local. Wow. It really it, is. We're, we're trying. Thank you so much, Amber and Meredith, for coming on. We really appreciate it. And it's good to see you, Meredith. Yes. Yeah, so nice to reconnect. Yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by Rachel Martens and Jeanette Afsharian. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you share this pod with your friends and family and let us know what you think. Check out our website at lostinjersey.site. And don't forget to get lost.